Hey guys, before we jump in today, uh, I want to remind you, if you haven't heard already, my wife Layla is pregnant with our fourth baby and the due date is on February 22nd. And as you know, if you're a dad, uh, babies can come at any time. So I, <laughs> I probably should have planned for this better. I kind of live my life one day at a time for better or worse. Uh, all that to say, if I just completely fall off the face of the planet for a few weeks, uh, don't call 911 or like don't put a story out on the news. I'm okay. I'm just uh, trying to be the most engaged husband and father that I can be <laughs> over the next few weeks. Uh, so give me some grace on that. Just maybe go back and listen to some old episodes if you haven't caught up on those. And uh, and then I'll be back here shortly. So anyway, didn't want you guys to panic on that. Today, uh, on today's podcast, we're talking about a piece of God's heart that we might not be experiencing. And as a result, we might not be teaching our kids. But before we jump into that, I want to share a voicemail that I received this week from a guy in our family leadership program. Take a listen to this. It seems like the last five days have been absolutely crazy so far. And my mind is being blown up and torn up and just completely, you're, you're putting a lot into my head uh, and making me think a lot. And it, it's a good thing. That was from Brandon, who actually joined our family leadership program back in February. And uh, his voicemail went on to say this. Take a listen. I wish that I could have this conversation, you know, 34 years ago in my life. Um, just like I, it took so long that I actually started questioning myself and challenging myself with all this. So I really appreciate so far what's going on. I really am encouraged to continue and keep on moving and, and doing. So I just wanted to share that with you. I was thinking about this the other day, and I realized that we have such a huge variety of guys in this program. We have tattoo artist and the head of a SWAT team and accountants, stay-at-home dads, everything in between. Like we just have so such a diverse group of guys who are jumping in this. And I, I just want to say like, I, I promise you that no matter where you're at in life, this program is going to change the dynamics of your family for the better. Uh, I should also mention that if you're a church leader or you're part of a church, we do offer discounts to church groups. So just let me know uh, by shooting me an email. You can email hello at dadtire.com and we'll get you a discount for any church group that wants to go through this. But one exercise that we go through uh, in our cohorts is we commit to saying no to certain things so that we can say yes to the things that matter. And so we ask guys at the very beginning to find things that even good things, um, maybe they're just working too much or maybe they're part of a fantasy football league or they've got you know extra hobbies. It doesn't necessarily have to be bad things, but things that just take time. And so we ask them, what do you want to give up over the next 30 days so that you can say yes to the things that you feel like God is calling you to. And we go into this in, in more depth, but I, you know, I always want to live out the things that I'm trying to teach. And so uh, every month I try to think, okay, what in my schedule do I need to give up so that I can say yes to being the husband and the father and the disciple that God's called me to be. So I've been trying to give up mindless things, um, watching, I, I love to watch a basketball game or a football game or UFC fight. And uh, so I've just been trying to give up these things so, and, and then ask myself, is this a moment that instead of doing something mindless, even you know reading through an email or watching a game or looking at stats on ESPN or whatever, is this a moment that I can engage with my kids and really make a lasting impression for them? And so did that this week. It took my kids on a walk. been trying to get outside more. I've talked a lot about that in the last few episodes, just trying to get outside as much as possible. And so I took my kids on a walk. 
and I was walking my two older kids and our dog was running way up ahead. And so I was with my two-year-old little girl and she was walking with us. And uh, she is just so two, man. She is like, she's fiercely two. <laughs> uh, which, by the way, if you have a two-year-old and that's like your oldest and you just feel like this is, how do you, in the, I think God gave me the most stubborn, independent, strong-willed kid I've ever seen. Just know uh, this is all normal. When we had our two older kids and they went through this stage, I was like, oh my, I don't know if we're going to make it. And then I now realize like it's a, it's actually a very short season. And so even in the midst of all her terrible two-ness, uh, I'm loving it, man. It's, it's just, you know, the things that made me cry <laughs> five, six, seven years ago are making me laugh now because I'm just like, I'm going to miss this when you're all fierce and independent and crazy. Uh, I don't know if you're allowed to call your kids crazy, but they are at two years old, especially and probably for the rest of her life. Anyway, uh, I took her on a little walk and she's very fierce and very independent and very just doing her own thing. She doesn't, she, you know, I try to tell her you shouldn't step over there or you should come over here or do this. She doesn't want to hear any of that. She wants to do things her own way. And just, you know, I, I try to hold her hand. She didn't want to hold my hand. She just wants to go and explore on her own. But then what was interesting is we would get to a spot on this trail where like a tree had fallen down and her little body can't move this tree or even get over this big old tree that came over across the trail. And so immediately she just reaches her hands up for me to pick her up and to carry her over so that she can get back to her fierce independence. And so I'd pick her up and we'd walk over this or climb over this tree together. And then we'd get to another spot in the river where like are on the trail where the river would kind of grow through and uh, you couldn't, she couldn't walk through it because it was either too deep or too fast or whatever. And so she immediately, again, re- reaches her hands up and uh, asks me to pick her up so she can get through it. Uh, and I just, as I, I was doing this and I'm just doing this, you know, going on this hike with a, with a smile on my face, just watching her try to be independent and then immediately reaching out to dad when she needed help. And I, I started to think to myself, I wonder if this is how God feels as he walks alongside of us, you know, like we go through life with this subconscious chip on our shoulder, convincing ourselves that we're independent, that we're confident, that we're problem solving humans that can handle all the things on our own. We convince ourselves that we know what we're doing, that if we just have enough money in our account or we can provide some security for our family or we have a good job or we act confident enough or we have a solution to every problem that, you know, we can get through this life on our own. And what's comical is how quickly we reach out for our father to pick us up the moment something turns out to be outside of our control. My daughter's independence went away real quick (laughs) when she couldn't move a tree that had fallen down on the trail or when she needed to cross the river that was too deep for her to walk through. I just thought, man, how quickly does our independence go away when our kids get sick or when our marriage feels completely out of control or when we're dealing with in-law issues or when our sin feels unmanageable or our financial situation buries us or our boss tells us that our job isn't secure. Like when all these things come into our life that are outside of our control, how quickly do we turn to the Father then? And I thought to myself, man, I wonder if this is what Jesus meant. I wonder if this is why Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Or when he said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted or blessed are the meek, the weak, you know, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, 
for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You know, this that was from Matthew 5, by the way, and the Beatitudes when Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount. But I just remember thinking, I'm, you know, as Jesus was talking about all those people who are blessed, it's the meek, it's the ones who need help. Like you boil it all down, it's the ones who need help, who aren't relying on their own strength. They're the ones who are blessed. And I've talked about this before several times in the book and the podcast before, but the reason they're blessed is because they recognize, man, I am not in control anymore. I don't have what it takes to get through this life. I need a savior. I need Jesus. What a blessing. What a blessing to come to the realization that you are not a good God. And instead you get to the point where you're humble enough to say, I need God to be a better God than me for my own life. And I think that's why it's blessed. I think that's why Jesus says this is a blessing because you've turned to a better God. You can turn to the God who can actually take care of you, who can actually provide for your family, who can actually be a better father for your kids. Like he can do all the things better than you're trying to do on your own. And that's where the blessing is. Oftentimes, I think we experience that part of God, the blessing, the goodness, the kindness of God, when we are meek and when we're poor and hungry and thirsty, like when we have all these needs and we turn to God, we experience, oh, like, oh man, yes, this is who God is. Like, why have I been trying to do life on my own? This is the God who can actually take care of me. And we find that peace. It's a blessing for us. You've heard so many people talk about this. You've probably even felt this yourself. Like, man, even though it was such a hard time, my relationship with Jesus was just, it was better than it's ever been. And so that you, you experience that blessing, right? You understand that. You understand that when you like turn away from all the things that you thought would satisfy or give you security or identity or whatever, when you turn away from those and you come back to Jesus, you start to feel that blessing very tangibly in your soul. It's something deep and satisfying, deeper than the things that you were chasing after. And then I thought to myself when I got home that day, I was thinking, is there a piece of God's personality that I'm consistently missing? Like, is there part of God that I keep missing out on? Is God walking near me and am am I not interacting with him because of my fierce independence like my two-year-old little girl? How many days of my life, I was thinking to myself, have I spent outside of God's presence, not because he wasn't walking near me, but because I thought too highly of myself to turn to him? Brothers, like, here's the truth, man. In our deep moments of pain, we get to see and experience the goodness and the mercy of God. And that is a gift. It's a blessing. But in the joy, in the good times, when things aren't hard, we get to see the friendship of God. And I'm afraid that there are too many of us who are missing out on the friendship of God because we're waiting to turn to him only when we need help. I was just thinking to myself, man, like God isn't just part of my crisis management team. His blessings aren't just when life is hard. He's a father who cares deeply about his sons and his daughters. 
I was right there with my daughter the whole time, ready to engage her, to be with her, to talk about the flowers and the river. And I enjoyed her presence as she ran along and was crazy and did her own thing. But I think she missed a part of what she could have got with daddy. Listen, I'm not like blaming my daughter for anything. She's two. Uh, But there's a part that you miss in the good stuff, the conversation, the relationship, the, the way that relationship builds intimacy through shared experience by just being near each other. I guess what I'm trying to say is I wonder if we only experience God in the crisis and we're missing out on a piece of God in the good times. Not just the mercy of God or the rescue of God or the goodness of God in hard times, but the friendship of God in the good times. I'll be honest with you, man. As I was putting these thoughts together, the thought occurred to me, is this just like fluffy, patchy on the back theology that's just meant to make you feel good? I, I never want to do that. I never want to just be like, hey, this is, you know, postcardy, hallmark, bumper sticker. God loves you. He's always for you. And it's not good theology. I I never want to just be that guy, right? And the truth is, man, that that sells, right? Like, you know, you can see these other preachers and pastors who just kind of, God loves you and he wants best for you. And uh, and you can sell a million copies of whatever you're trying to sell when that's your message. And the, And the truth is, that the the message of Jesus is hard, and I don't want to water that down ever. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, it's going to require you to give up your life to follow him. It is hard, hard stuff. And so as I was putting these thoughts together, I thought, is this, Jared, are you just giving like fluffy, just, yeah, make you feel good Christian theology? And almost as soon as I had that thought, I felt like God reminded my spirit I felt like he was just saying this. It wasn't audible. It wasn't like this crazy supernatural experience, but I just felt like God prompting and reminding my spirit that you can read the Bible cover to cover. You can know all the Greek, all the Hebrew, all the terminology, you know, nitpick all the things in the Bible and know all the nuance and details. But if it doesn't make you fall in love with the person of Jesus, then you've completely missed the point. As my friend John Mark Comer likes to say, God has a name. We aren't studying theology. We aren't memorizing scripture for the sake of scripture memory. We are pursuing the heart of God himself. God has a name. He wants to be known. All of our theology should point us back to the heart of Jesus. And that heart, friends, is a heart that longs for you to know him and be loved by him. It may feel like fluffy, patchy on the back theology, but the truth is, man, God is walking near you. He is near the brokenhearted. He is with his people. He walks near his children. We don't have time, but man, from Genesis to Revelation, God is near his people. And I think we would miss a huge part of God if we think he only wants to be near or that we would only experience his goodness and blessing in the hard stuff. All of us know that our prayer life gets a lot better when things come into our life that are beyond our control. But man, how many of us are missing out on the friendship of God in the good times? Like, are you going through normal life right now? It's mundane. You don't feel desperate. You don't feel like you're on down on your knees begging God to show up for you and your faith just feels kind of stale. Man, are you missing out on the friendship of God? Because you're 
not in desperate need of something to show up. And so I guess my challenge to you, my prayer for you would be, what would it be like to turn to God now in the mundane or maybe the good? What would it be like to experience the friendship of God right now? God hasn't gone away. God doesn't just show up in crisis management. God is here now. The reality is this. If we aren't careful, we'll subtly model for our kids that God is just the God of crisis, not the God of friendship. And that, my friends, is bad theology. I don't want our kids to see us pray just when we desperately need God to show up. I want my kids to see their daddy experience the friendship of God. But ultimately, I want my kids to experience that friendship with their creator for themselves. In our times of deep hurt and pain, we get to experience the goodness and the mercy of God. But in the times of mundane and joy, we get to experience the friendship of God. I pray that you are experiencing the friendship of God and as a result, pointing your kids to the friendship of God for themselves. I love you guys. I'll see you next week. Hey guys, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, I'd love for you to be part of our family leadership program. Uh, I am highly engaged with those guys every day through text messages and voicemails and phone calls. And uh, we interact with each other in a private Facebook group. So if you're looking for help in your fatherhood journey, in your, your journey as a husband, a father and disciple, uh, this is the program that is going to help you with that. We'd love to have you be part of it. You can get a discount by using the promo code podcast when you go to dadtired.com forward slash lead, L-E-A-D, lead. Again, that's dadtired.com forward slash lead and use the promo code podcast to get a discount when you join.